welcome to a Heritage Christian Centre podcast. For more information, visit www.heritagecc.com.au. We hope this message blesses your life. Christmas. We are three days from Christmas now. Look, it's a day we celebrate the birth of Christ. Not His birthday. We celebrate though. It's a day we take a focus and look at life. And last week I looked at family trees and we saw the family tree of Jesus through Joseph and Mary. And we also saw how short the family tree was when we came to John. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. God is always God. There's, there's no beginning and no end. He is the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. Everything is wrapped up in Jesus. And so his genealogy is perfect. And he calls us to leave our past whether it's our family history or whether it's our own past history, and to realize that we've been set free from the past. We've been set free from that, and God has a destiny, a future for us, and he wants us to leave a legacy for those who would follow, regardless of our age. And when I look at this wonderful case, this account of Jesus and what we have in the record, I'm amazed at who's represented in the journey. We see Elizabeth and Zechariah, past the age of childbearing and next minute there's a child along the way that brings such joy John the Baptist and we see that and I I see in this account that that God involves mature aged people, people who are past the age of childbearing Um, and, and, and God brings them into the story and history that Christmas is not just about this little baby God wants to engage people in the journey they're both there, male and a female he's a priest and represents to me people who are involved in charitable works and ministry lives. They're, they're part of this journey of Christmas. We see men with wisdom. I know there's a standing joke, impossible to find three, men, three wise men, but that's not true. Here's men with wisdom, identifying with uh, the educated, the, the, the studious, the middle-aged, possibly the white-collar worker and the academics of life. Some of the shepherds there would have identified with the working class people. And so we have these older people. Then we find uh, uh, Simeon and Anna uh, in the temple of God. And I think Simeon says, now I can go and die. So he's at that point of life where he's passed at the top end of the platinum. We've got this older people. We have this mature people. We have these wise people. We, We have Joseph and Mary, a young married couple beginning a family. It identifies with, it brings into the the story of Jesus and his birth. It brings in the young adults and the young marrieds into the the story. So more people are now engaged in this journey. Uh, We also see that later on, it's probable that Joseph dies and Mary becomes a single mum with a bunch of kids. And and so that that engages for me the the solo parents or the abandoned parents or or, or the victims of of domestic violence. It it engages all these people in this wonderful story and account of Jesus and and his birth, death, life and resurrection. There's one more generation I I, want to throw in there. Uh, And it's really important. It comes back to our, our, our shepherds. In Luke 2, it says this. Now they're in that same country, shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. 
The angel said to them, don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. There is born to you this day in the city of David, a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So what happens then is the angels go and the shepherds look at one another and say, let's now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. The Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they'd seen him, they made widely known the saying, which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which they were told by the shepherds. This is an interesting group of people, these shepherds. I don't know if you've ever thought about what they were or who they were or what they looked like. I don't know if you've ever thought about shepherds in that time. There's a picture we see a couple of maybe an old, a couple of mature older men out in the fields with their staffs and their crooks. And, and yet when I look at shepherding in, in the context of Scripture, I want to find out what's going on. Now, some people say they were outcast type people and they were to the hierarchy, to, to the, the people who were pompous and pious. But to average people, they were just other working class people doing a job and providing a service, providing sacrifices for the temple, providing milk and wool and, and, some, and lamb. And, and, and there's, there's all these things. They're just normal people. But what are they? Where are they at? What type of people were they? And I look at the Bible and I go, well, let's have a look at, at shepherds in the Bible. See, Jesus was a descendant of David, the king. But David began his journey not as a king, but as a shepherd. And not someone high and mighty, but someone in the field. See, the Lord instructed the prophet Samuel to go to Jesse's place, David's dad. And, and there were eight kids there and Jesse brings his, his sons there, except for David to present to be anointed the king of Israel. And it's interesting that David is considered irrelevant at this situation. He's considered not important enough to bring in for the prophet to possibly anoint with oil to be the king of Israel in the future. Now, some even think that Psalm 51.5, let me read it to you. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in, my, in, in sin my mother conceived me. Some think that refers to David being conceived illegitimately, whether mum had an affair or dad did, but dad took him on as his son and looked after him. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but regardless, Jesse does not bring David to meet Samuel. And when he goes through the sun, Samuel rejects them all because God rejects them. And then he asked Jesse, is there any others? He said, well, we've got the one out in the field. You know, he's shepherd boy. And God chose the least likely candidate out of all the boys. And we're not told how old he was precisely, but probably he was between the ages of 10 and 15. So here we see shepherding as a function of a pre-teen and early teen. How many of you would have thought the shepherds that came to see the baby weren't pre-teen or early teens? Who would have thought they were older? Come on, let's be honest. Who thought they were older? Yeah. 
But here we find that David is probably 10 to 15. We're not exactly sure, but we do get some idea when we look at the account of Goliath. You know, dad, dad gets David when his brothers are off in battle and here's some cheese and some bread. Go see your brothers and give them some food. And David gets down there and he hears what's going on. And he says, who's going to deal with this uncircumcised Philistine? Who's going to take this guy out who's challenging God and the people of God? And, and he has this encounter and, and it comes back to Saul. And Saul says to David, basically, don't be ridiculous. In 1 Samuel 17, 33, it says this. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you're a youth, adolescent, adolescent. It means you're probably 15 or less, definitely less than 20 because by 20, David would have been conscripted into the army. So we're now talking about someone, David's anointed before he encounters Goliath. So we know David is definitely in his preteens or teens. So when these shepherds come to Jesus as a baby, it's most likely they were in their teens. How's that sound? So we have these, this other group of people at the baby, at the, at the account of Jesus. We've had the old, the middle-aged, the white-collar worker, the average worker, the blue-collar worker. We've had men and women. And it's interesting that Moses, when he met his wife, she was with her sisters and they were shepherds. So it's possible that some of the shepherds that the angels came to were young girls. No, I could hear that male chauvinism come out straight away. I'm not saying there was, but it's possible. I mean, come on. Mary was a young girl, probably in her teens, when she gave birth to Jesus. And so what we have now is the generations are now all joined together in this one occasion. Every generation is represented. We have a baby, the baby Jesus. We have pre-teen, teen probably, or at worst, early 20s. In some of the shepherds, there would have been older shepherds who would have been training and mentoring, maybe parents of some of the sons or daughters who were training them as well. We have working class people. We have white collar workers. We have academic people. We have male and female. We have older people and we have people near death, all engaged in this, this account of Christmas and I go wow God has not left anybody out see we see a little nativity scene like in the picture we think wise men maybe old shepherds but no God engages every generation in this journey called Christmas and the thing about shepherding is Jesus identifies himself with shepherding in John 10 11 11 to 14 it goes I am the good shepherd The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. So Jesus says, I'm a shepherd. That's my heart. So what's so important about this that Jesus identifies it? And the answer is, we all need to identify with shepherding. We all need to come along and say, hang on, this picture of shepherds is there to teach us some things. I need to know a little bit about shepherding and sheep if I'm going to be a Christian. Firstly, sheep scare easily. They can get a mob mentality. 
They can be fearful of nothing and need reassurance and comforting. Sometimes sheep appear to be plain dumb, but they're not. Sheep need shearing to lighten their load. So I'm happy to shear you every offering time, but I will not skin you. You can shear every year, but you can't skin anyone. You only do once. Sometimes they go off in different directions for no apparent reason. They need attention to guide them, to feed them, to water them, to rescue them at times when it's extremely inconvenient. And sheep can be annoying. I wonder if maybe if Christians start to understand something about shepherding, we might learn how to be patient. We might learn how to be kind. We might learn how to be understanding. We might understand that these people who who would seem unlikely, possibly dirty, smelly, covered in dirt and twigs and maybe pig dropping, I'm I'm sorry, not pig dropping, sheep droppings, uh, stepped in or whatever. Shepherding is a challenging task. And as Christians, we need to understand some of these things because we are all called, the Bible says, to have the same care one for another. This is an amazing little group that we throw in and we we tend to write it off so easily, but it's so powerful that it's a teaching point for every one of us. Christians, as well as young people and teens and young adults, it's about growing and learning. And for some of us older people, we still need to grow and learn. Teaching us how to relate to one another, how to lead in life. It challenges us to grow up and mature and find the path God has for us. Just like a baby grows into a youth and a youth and a young adult and a young adult into a mature person. And finally, hopefully we're ready the day we pass to meet our maker. So Christmas is not just for children. It's not just for wise people. It's not just for poor. It's not just for women. And it's not just for men. It's not for rich. It's not for the learned or the unlearned. It's for everyone. It's a message for everybody. Whosoever will may come, the scripture says. This Christmas message is an amazing message that involves everyone in that first account that tells us right through the journey, God's heart toward all humanity. It's funny how in the Western world, in the secular sense, they've the comments of churches for women and children. And sadly for many, that's even digressed worse. It's something we just send our kids to. Oh, my kids should go to church to learn some things, but I'm not going to believe. I don't believe. Well, why send them? Well, why send them to a church for what? Now, please, I'm happy for them to come. But you send them for one hour and then the rest of your life, you tell them God does not exist. But somewhere along the track, we want them to get something. So that when they're old, they'll make their mind up. That's not going to help. It might because God is gracious. But the attitude is it's not just for women and children and it's not just for children. We've got to do more. We've got to believe that this message is for everybody, young and old, rich, poor, male and female, because in God, there is no distinction. We are all one in Christ. I look across the church and I see people from every age group. I see people from every, you know, every gender. And there may be people here from other genders. You're welcome in the house because God loves you just the same. Here's this journey that the message of Christmas is God so loved the world. Not the rich, not the poor. He loved the whole world. 
Paul says it like this, and he's one of the academics and learned men in 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world, that's Christmas, to save sinners, that's Easter, of whom I am chief, that's repentance. Paul, a mature, educated man, identified that he needed this message as much as anybody else. This message that Christmas is for all of us. That Jesus dies for everyone. He came into the world for us all. He looked on humanity and said, how do I rescue them? Now, he said that way back in Genesis. The message to Eve was that you know, the enemy will come and there'll be the crushing of his head and the bruising of his heel and your child will be the one. This whole lot is all there right from the beginning, even before the foundation of the world. It was God's plan because God knew our journey. But Christmas is his revelation to us. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says in 15, one day, uh, one and four, we'll read a couple. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you, I delivered to you first of all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. See, Christmas is just one part of a God-initiated plan to save humanity. It's just one part of this amazing journey. See, see, God is into the whole preparation. God is a planner. Listen, in one Corinthians, sorry, Luke 1, the angel talks to Mary and says, don't be afraid. You found favor with God and you'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. So God prepared Mary for this day. God prepared Joseph and spoke to him on the journey. There was a lot of preparation. He had to get the right woman, the right man with the right heart. And he put them together. God prepared a husband. She's a teenager. He's probably in early 20s. The wise men are probably in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. The shepherds can be anywhere from 10 to 30 or maybe even older. These wise men bring gifts. Older people, probably in their 70s and 80s. And we have this whole gamut of people that God prepared for this part of the message. This part was the revelation of the plan of God so that we finally could see something tangible where we saw that it wasn't by our works, it wasn't by our sacrifices, it wasn't by our efforts, but about the grace of God, about the goodness of God, about the kindness of God. We started to get a picture that God gave the best. It's the starting point, the revelation to us of the redemption of mankind. Matthew 121 says it like this. Musicians, singers, please come. And she shall bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. See, see in that verse, wrapped up is the life of Jesus from birth to crucifixion, to resurrection and ascension, to return to eternal life. See, he is Jesus. He will save his people from their sin. Salvation comes through this child, through Jesus Christ. The plan is plain. It's obvious. It's simple. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter says, repent, be baptized, every one of you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
It says, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And all have sinned, it says in Romans, and fall short. But God sends us his gift, Jesus, in Romans 6. The whole plan to all people, Christmas for everyone, to give everyone a future and a hope. The call is for us to lay a hold of that future and to lay a hold of that hope. I love this final verse I want to read. In Luke 2, the message to the shepherds, verse 10, 11. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I think a lot of people need to start from dealing with that point. God doesn't want you afraid. God wants to break the fears off your life. God wants to set you free from the fear, the fear of man, the fear of aloneness, the fear of being left, fear of abandonment, the fear of abuse. God wants you free from all fear. I Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, listen, which will be to all people. Not Jews, all people. Not, not, not Romans, not Greeks, all people. Not rich, poor, young, old, not high and mighty, not low and humble. To all people, this message comes. Whether we receive it or not is up to us. But the message is clear. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. There is born to you this day in the city of David, a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. The Saviour, this baby born in Bethlehem, this Word of God become flesh. This one who would grow and live and give his life on a cross for us. This one who would be raised from the dead the third day. This one who ascended. And the angel said, in the manner you've seen him go, he will come again. The one who said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will surely come again. What good news. Now I'm going to live poor. I'm not going to live, oh, what a horrible world. What a wonderful world. What a wonderful hope. And we ought to bring the light into darkness because we've got good news. And Christmas should cause us to let our light shine so brightly because the message is to all people. And that's what we're called to do because we've been set free. As Christians, you've been set free. You're called to let your light shine to all people. That's what Christmas is about, church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You. Good tidings of great joy to all people. Lord, not just at Christmas time, because we have received, we are called to be a reconciler of men to God. You've given every one of us who believe in Jesus this ministry, everyone who will yet believe, you've given this ministry that we'd be reconcilers. How do we reconcile them? It's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. We want to show them your goodness. We want to let our light shine. We want to let them see the joy of the Lord in our lives. We want to see them see in us an overcoming heart, an overcoming life in the midst of the circumstances which could tear us down if we didn't trust in Jesus. And so we have good news for people today. Good news in a Saviour.